Well, it's good to see each one of you this morning. Some of you are getting double dippers. I'm, I apologize for the double dipping. It's Sunday school now this, but uh, we've got some good stuff to share. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I'm looking forward to tonight. Dr. Tom Wallace, I think it was about 45 years ago, the first time I heard him, he pastored up in Louisville. We were on our way up to uh, Hammond, Indiana for a pastor's conference back in the uh, mid-70s. And, uh, and Brother, Brother uh, Wallace was, was preaching in his own pulpit. What a powerful voice. What a powerful man. And then through the years, through the ages, just God has just used him and still has used him. If you're visiting with us this morning, I wish you could hear our pastor preach. I'm sure he'll be back in the saddle real soon. But don't miss tonight. Come back tonight. Uh, you, you won't regret listening to Dr. Tom Wallace. Uh, he still has the stuff. And God's using him in a, in a mighty way. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, the ministry of this dear man. Well, you're there in Psalm chapter 78. Look what it says in verse 10. Psalm 78. Notice what it says in verse 10. It says, They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. And forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, he divided the seas and caused them to pass through and made the waters to stand as in heap. Here's a group of people, the Israelites, the Jews, chosen by God to bear his name, chosen by God to be a part of his kingdom, And we're going to see how, through the ages, they came to the point where they finally rejected him as king. Let me say this. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Nothing can change that. He is the king. He's the coming king. He's the saving king. He is the king supreme. There are other kings. There are other leaders. But there is no king like our king, King Jesus. Now, the question we're going to start with, and the question we'll see through Scripture is, is he your king? Is he your king? We're going to be talking about five indications that we have rejected Jesus Christ as king of our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we bow before you, we'd ask you to speak in a very clear way from your holy word, how we thank you, Lord, for your word, but how we thank you that this is just part of you. You are a great God, a great creator. Thank you, Lord, for our visitors. Thank you for our church members. Oh, but God, would you speak in a very clear way, a very particular pointed way this morning? Would you meet the needs of the heart, meet the needs of our lives? And Lord, might we, allow you to reign king supreme in our lives. For we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to read a passage from 1 Samuel chapter 8. And uh, this passage is about Israel later on, where they actually denied Jesus and wanted a king of their own. They actually denied God. It says in in verse 5, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5, it says, And he said unto them, Behold, Thou art old, speaking about Samuel. And uh, they were talking to the the prophet Samuel. Thou art old, and thy sons will not walk in thy ways. Now make us a king. 
to judge us like all nations. Wow. How did they get to that point where they wanted to be like all nations? How did they get to the point where they wanted to be like the world and leave God behind? It sounds like the church today, doesn't it? It sounds like Christianity today. Give us the world. Don't give us your word. Give us the world. We want your promises, but we don't want the judgments. Give us the world. Let us be like the world. Well, it goes on and says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people. And in that, and, and in that day, and say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they've rejected me that I should not reign over them. In a couple chapters down the road in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 19 says, And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, Nay, but give us a king over us. Is he your king today? I like a, a Psalm chapter 74. Listen to what it says in verse 12. In Psalm 74, 12, it says, For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Isn't that a great verse? He is my king of old. In 1976, I was a young police officer here in Huntsville. And uh, a young man that I was trying to mentor, I was training him. I was teaching in the police academy and I was a field training officer. And this young man said, Larry, if you die today, you're sure you're going to heaven. And I thought, what have I got a hold of today? I thought, you know... I'm a good guy. Obviously, this man thinks I'm a sinner. Whoa, was he right? He says, no, I know you must be a a, a good man, but I didn't ask you that. My question is, if you died today, are you sure you're going to heaven? And I thought, well, I've been baptized. He says, well, that's great. Didn't ask you that one. If you die today, are you sure you're going to heaven? And I said, I don't think you can know. You can hope, wish, Think, be sincere, but you, you can't know. And he then read out of his New Testament. In his, in his uniform pocket, he had a New Testament. I had something else in my pocket. Uh, uh, nasty old camels. He read out of the New Testament in 1 John chapter 5. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He says the Bible is God's holy word to you and to me. It was written to us personally. It's for us today. It's real. It's relevant. And God says there is a way to know that you're going to heaven. And you ought to know that way because it's right here in black and white just as clear as can be. Christ died for us because we're sinners. He was buried according to the scriptures and according to the scriptures on the third day he rose from the dead securing our salvation for us. As a matter of fact in John chapter uh, 1 verse 12 but as many as received him to them he gave power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Believing and believing are two different things. Did you catch that? Believing and believing are two different things. 
Oh, I had some belief, some head knowledge in Christ, but I did not have a heart trust in him as my personal savior. But I went to his little church. It took me a few months to get there. And uh, we had dinner with them a couple of times. And uh, his two-year-old daughter, just she was a mess. She sat in that, she sat in that uh, high chair. She had spaghetti all over her. She was just a mess. Oh, there she is right there. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Pam, I didn't mean to embarrass you. And uh, that's, that's his daughter. She was two at the time. And, uh, but wait, wait. When I finally heard the word of God, the preacher preached. First time out, the preacher preached on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Listen, today if you're not part of the kingdom, if Jesus is not your king, he will not be until you receive him as your personal savior. You have to receive him. For by grace are you saved, how? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, a gift that must be received. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I, uh, I trusted Christ on June 11th, 1976. I've never been sorry for that. I've not, not had to turn back, not had to get saved over and over and over again. I was born again that day by faith in Christ. Amen. How about you? Since that time, although Jesus is king, and I'm part of his kingdom, you see, he's the king and we are the dumb. I'll pause. All right, for effect, let's sink in. He is the king, and we're in a kingdom, and we are in his dominion. There you go, there's the dumb. His dominion, and he, he rules and reigns from heaven, and we follow him, and uh, we... Our king supreme is not the president. Our king is not the governor. Our king is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is king of kings. He's the capital L-O-R-D, the Lord of lords. There is no other higher, no other holier, no other one than that one, Jesus, our savior. Listen, but have we rejected him as our king? Israel did. They rejected him. Hey, here's how you know if you've rejected him. Five simple tests. First of all, when we complain and forget God's great deliverances, we're rejecting him as king. Take a look again, verse 10. We're in Psalm 78. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. There's a, there's a colon and it goes on. And forgot his works and wonders that he had shown them. They forgot all the good that he did. They forgot and they complained when God gave them such a great deliverance. Verse 12 talks about that deliverance. It says, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. We're going to read more of that in a moment from another passage. He divided the seas and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand in heap. God did mighty things that he hadn't done with anyone else any time before that. He did that for his people because he was their king and he was showing the world that he was indeed the God of heaven, the God of truth, the God of all creation. Do you believe that? Turn with me to Psalm 105 over a few pages. We're coming back to Psalm 78. Look what it says in Psalm 105. In Psalm 105 verse 26 
Psalm 105, verse 26. And by the way, uh, if you're not used to, to hearing preaching with the word of God, get used to it. This is the only thing that can save us by believing and receiving and obeying his word. The only way for salvation is by the Holy Spirit to take his precious word, plant it in our heart, and growing our faith to receive him as Savior. It works the same way in everyone. It is a process, but it's a birth. And when you trust Christ as Savior, that, that does it. You're born again. I trust that you're doing that today. I trust that you're receiving God's word. Notice what it says in Psalm 105, verse 26. He says, He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, and whom he had chosen, and they showed his signs among them and the wonders in the land of Ham. God is going to do a great thing in Israel. By the way, I mean in Egypt. And by the way, this is mentioned over and over again throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. The deliverance from Egypt is something we need to be looking at, something that we need to be focused on because that, that was a, an absolute great deliverance. Like nothing has ever been done like this before. And over and again, he tells us this is, a, this is an example for us to follow. This is an example for us to look at. He says, verse 27, they showed his signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham, that's uh, Egypt. He sent darkness and made it dark. They rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood. He slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance. In the chamber of their, their kings he spake, and there came diverse sort of flies and lice in all their coast. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also, their fig trees, and brake the trees of their coasts. He spake, and the locusts came, the caterpillars, and they without numbers. And did eat up all the herbs in the land and devoured all the fruit of the ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land and the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Boy, I wish that was true in, in our case as well. We have a God that delivers. Has he delivered you? Have you been sick? Did you pray, oh God, would you send healing to my loved ones? Has he sent that healing? Have you had financial emergencies? Oh, God, I don't know where it's going to come from. Would you supply? And has he supplied? Did he supply? Our God, he delivers. And when he delivers, it's glorious. It's wonderful. Listen, we pray because God hears and answers prayer. But when we pray, it gets honor and glory to him. Oh, don't complain. Don't, don't murmur in your in your suffering pray to the god of heaven who knows pray to the god of heaven who can do something about it we were talking to a young man out knocking on doors yesterday and uh, this young man he was down in the dumps and he was uh, he he needed some encouragement and we gave him the gospel and shared with him a little bit and i'm not so sure how much he was able to hear because i could tell his heart was so very troubled what he needs what I need, what you need, is Jesus as king in our lives right now. Right now. We reject him when we complain and forget of his great deliverances. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 24. Just listen. You can turn if you want, but I'm going to read quickly and we'll go to another passage it says in Exodus 16, chapter, 
chapter 16, verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. What kind of a wilderness was this? Well, this is a place where they couldn't do anything on their own. They had to trust God for everything. They had to trust God for their shoes not to wear out for 40 years, their clothes not to wear out for 40 years, for their daily food, their daily sustenance, their water, everything had depended upon God. They could do nothing for themselves. Oh, but some of them wanted to do something of themselves. Some of them wanted to go back to Egypt uh, to smell the roses, if you please, to eat the onions and the garlic. At least they had some food to eat. But here's God, the king of their life. He wants to lead them. He wants to feed them. He wants to guide them. He wants to provide for them. But they would not. The passage goes on in verse 3 and says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Oh, would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. (laughs) When we sat by the flesh pots and we would eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. Now listen to this. That I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. You see, the trials come to God's people when he's testing us and trying us, and trying to grow us in faith and in faithfulness to him. Will you believe God? Would you allow the king of kings who knows all things, would you allow him to guide you, to provide, to give deliverance for your problems, for your circumstance, for your situation right now, the one today? He's waiting. He's waiting. Let me skip down to verse 8. It says, And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Don't you hate it when you see a little child who has everything and has an ice cream cone in the hand and... uh, the parent or the grandparent is, is taking loving care of that little one. I don't want that. It's not the right flavor. I don't want that. I want this. I want that. I want that toy. Doesn't it just kind of grind your gears? <laughs> it does me. I'm thinking, wow, what, what a spoiled little brat. Give them nothing. Give them nothing. By the way, that's probably what we need. That's what Israel needed. They needed nothing. They were spoiled. They had all the riches from from Egypt as they left. They had the protection of God, a a pillar of cloud by day, a, a pillar of fire by night. He was their protector. He was their provider. He gave great deliverance to the greatest army in the world and killed them all, and not one of them perished. They survived. Now he's leading them, and they're simply not trusting him. Turn what, uh, if you would, or if you're still in Psalm 105, turn over a page to 106. Psalm 106. Notice what it says in verse 7. Psalm 106, verse 7. Still talking about this, these Israelites who rejected the God of heaven as their king. 
In Psalm 106, verse 7, he says, Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved him. Now notice why he saved him. It tells us in verse 8. Notice what it says. Nevertheless, he saved him for his name's sake. He saves us for the same reason. For his name's sake. Jesus, the Holy One, for his sake. Because he is merciful, because he is gracious, because he is, his mercies endureth forever. For his namesake, he saves us. For his namesake, he feeds us. For his namesake, he answers our prayers. Are you with me? He's our king. It goes on. Nevertheless, it says again in verse 8, he saved him for his namesake that he might make his mighty power to be, to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of them that hated him. And redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies and there was not one of them left. Verse 12 paints a different picture. Just like a spoiled child. Kind of like us. Then Then believed they his words and sang his praise. They soon forgot his works and they waited not for his counsel but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their, their request, but sent leanness into their soul. God hates our complaining. Did you know that? When we murmur. Did you know God sees our actions? You knew that, didn't you? You've heard that. I think sometimes we don't believe that. But God sees everything. Did you know what else he sees? He sees our attitudes He knows our very heart attitude, our motives. He knows when we're smiling on the outside and grumbling on the inside. He knows. That's called hypocrisy. He hates that. God hates hypocrisy. He hates pride. He hates murmuring. Because when we murmur, when we complain... It simply tells others that we're not trusting God. God is not able to meet our needs. God isn't able to make us happy, and yet he gives us so much. How's it going, friend? Have you rejected Jesus as your king? Are you rejecting him? Are you grumbling? Are you complaining? 1 Corinthians 10.10 says, Neither murmur, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. God gave us these things and told us in the New Testament, we better take heed. They murmured, they were destroyed. God hates it. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. It's a memory verse for many of you. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. He hates it. He hates envy and strife. God hates that. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Has God delivered you? Have you? Are you murmuring? Are you complaining? Are you unsatisfied with your situation, with your lot? with your sickness or with your health or with your finances? 
Because God does deliver us, and he delivers us when we don't even know he's delivering us. I think of the missionaries over the years, more than 40 families have gone out as missionaries and full-time servants from this, from this congregation in 39 years. In a few weeks, it'll be our 39th anniversary for our church. And these families, it's amazing, all the miles they put on, yet no serious accident. One accident down in Mexico took the life of one of the children of one of our missionaries. One. One. God is so good. Has he protected you? You don't even know, do you? And the times you do know, are you thankful for that? The times you do know that he's delivered you from sickness or from financial emergency or employment needs. Oh, God, I need this job. You know I need this job. You got it. Or maybe he kept you from that job and gave you a different one because that's the one you really needed. Travel safety, provisions. Hey, we have a God who delivers. We have a God who is king of kings. Now, wait a minute. Instead of murmuring on what we ought to be doing, we ought to be giving him praise and glory. We ought to be sharing with others what God has done. I love it when, when people share with me the little things that they've seen God do this week. I love it. I love it. Because it encourages me so much to be looking and seeing what God has done. Uh, and God does so much. Let's give him glory. Let's acknowledge him. We're to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Lean not to thine own understanding. Here it is. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. Hey, there is a way. It's the highway. It's God's way. Let's praise him for his holiness. So number one, when we complain and forget God's great deliverance, that's what they did. They forgot his great deliverance and they complained and murmured. That's a sign, an indication that they rejected Christ as their king. Turn back with Psalm 78 again and we'll move move ahead. In Psalm 78, we'll look at the next verse. Look at verse 14. In Psalm 78, verse 14, we move on. And this next one is when we doubt God's ability to properly lead us. Do you doubt his ability to lead you? Some of you are wondering, what am I supposed to do next? Is God not going to tell me? Yeah, God's going to tell you. How about growing up and waiting on him? They that wait on the Lord renew their strength. Psalm 27, verse 14, wait, I say, on the Lord. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He will. Wait on him. Look to him. Look at verse 14. He says, in the daytime also he led them with a cloud and at night with the light of fire. God is in the business of leading. God is in the business of protecting. God is in the business of saving souls. God's in the business of making disciples. God's in the business of calling men, women, boys and girls to himself to serve them their whole lives. God's in the business of good. He is the good God. He's the holy God. He's the right God. He's not the wrong one. Our culture is wrong. Our culture has many gods. We've played into some of those gods. We worship some of those gods. Some of them have a whole stack of credit cards and uh, in a little envelope called a wallet. 
Those are gods, aren't they? To some, they can be. You see, we like to do things our own way. Sometimes God will put us in a place where we cannot do anything our own way, maybe in a hospital bed. And the only way to look when you're on your back is to look up. Uh Uh-huh. There's a reason for that. Because he's a merciful God. He's a glorious God. He's a good God. They They were not convinced that he could lead them properly. Is he leading you? Hey, he leads you by his word, the Bible, the scriptures. Are you in it day by day? If he's not leading you, maybe because he's not feeding you because you're not coming to him for the food. I've shared this before, but in one of, our, in one of the churches we started, uh, <laughs> I, after about seven years, we were there in one place for nine years. After about seven years, still on Wednesday night, it was whoever I brought to church, that's all who came. Figure that. I mean, they were missing all this good preaching. What's the deal? (laughs) So that next Sunday morning, I had a pack of pampers, diapers. They call them nappies there. I had a little balloon that looked like a baby bottle. And I put the pampers down and the bottle down. And I had a message. What to do when the sheep won't eat. What to do when the sheep won't eat? Well, little babies, do you need a diaper changed? Do you need a little more milk? That message didn't go over too good. (laughs) That's why I'm in the States. (laughs) Well, that's not (laughs) Like I say, I learn more from my mistakes than I do by, uh, by doing things right. Now, what does God have to do? To convince us that he is right and we are not. What does God have to do to convince us we need his food like manna every day? You can't take today's food for tomorrow. Every day, every day. What must God do to convince us that he is king and his his good is towards us, not evil towards us? His thoughts towards us are only right and good. He says in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's in the business of leading. He says in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, do you? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they, two, two words, they follow me in holiness in righteousness, in obedience, in love. We have a God that deserves our worship. We, when we doubt his ability to lead us, hey, that's an indication we're rejecting Christ as our king. When we murmur and complain about, even though he's delivered us with a great deliverance in our salvation, that's an indication that we're rejecting him as our king. Hey, when we think God cannot or will not supply all our needs, then that's an indication that we are rejecting him as our king. Look at Psalm 78 again, verse 15. Notice what it says. It says, he clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as of out of great depths. There was a rock and the water gushed forth. He, he gave them what they needed. 
He brought streams also out of the rock and caused the waters to run down like rivers. That's our God. He gave them manna from heaven, angels food, if you please. Every morning he fed them. For 40 years he fed them that way. And yet they loathed it. They, they did not want it. Exodus 16, 4 says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and all the people shall go out and gather a certain, every, a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. He proved them. God does the same thing for us, doesn't he? Would you say our God's a long-suffering God? He's like no king that I know of. Would you say our God is full of mercy? He's like a king that, that I don't know of. There's no one like our God. There's no one like our king. No, hey, listen, our God supplies our needs. In Deuteronomy 8, 2, listen to what he says. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, Thou shalt number, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee for these 40 years in the wilderness. Here's the reason why. Listen, here's why he led them to the wilderness. To humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Here's your sustenance right here, my dear friends. Job says, I esteem the, the words of his lips more than my necessary food. Do you? Or you despise the good food. You despise the manna from heaven. Right here it is. When we fall away from this, when we get away from this, when this becomes a toil, when this becomes a trouble, when this becomes the last thing on our list of duties to do, rather than the first thing to go after, we're rejecting Jesus as our king. When we complain and forget his great deliverance, when we doubt his ability to lead us, when we think that God cannot or will not supply our needs, we're rejecting him as our king. Oh, he's still king. But we're rejecting him as our king. When we take for granted or, or despise his provisions, we reject him. Psalm 78, you're still there? Verse 17. Psalm 78, 17. See what they did. See if they took God for granted and despised his provisions for them. Verse 17, and they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God and they said, can God furnish us a table in the wilderness? <laughs> well, the answer is a resounding yes, he can. And he did. Verse 20 says, behold, he smote the rock and the waters gushed out. The streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? They're taunting God. Therefore, the Lord heard this and was wroth. That means filled with wrath, with anger. 
So a fire was kindled against Jacob. Anger came up against Israel because they believed not God, trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven, it rained down manna on them to eat and had given them the corn of heaven. And man did eat angels' food and sent them, uh, sent them meat to the full. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust. And feathered fowls like the sand of the sea. Well, they asked for it. They got it. Verse 28. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitation. So they did eat and were well filled for he gave them their own desire. Notice their own desire, not his. They were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them. And smote down the chosen men of Israel. That was a buffet that you didn't want to be part of. That was a buffet lunch right there. For all this did they sin still and believe not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. Wow. Why? Because he's a loving God. Because he cares for them. For his name's sake. For his holy sake. We complain, we doubt, we think he cannot or will not supply. We take for granted those wonderful good things he gives us. Yet in Romans chapter 2 verse 4, you know this verse, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Have you ever wondered what would have happened if Christ would have returned a hundred years ago? Or if he would have returned a day before you got saved? No, it's because of his loving kindness. Well, where's the promise of his coming, some would say, Second Peter chapter 3. Where's the promise of his coming? Oh, he's long-suffering to us. It's salvation for us. Had he not waited... We might not be saved. Oh, we praise God for his goodness. Here's the last one. When his goodness and mercy are not good enough for us, then we have rejected Christ as our king. Verse 34, still in Psalm 78. Verse 34, it says, When he slew them, then they sought him. And they returned and inquired early after God. Verse 35. And they remembered that God was their rock and their high, and, uh, their, their high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter them, him with their mouth and lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Are you steadfast in Christ? Has he delivered you? Has he led you? Has he fed you? Are you thankful for him? Do you thank God for everything that he gives you, including the the daily food that you eat, the moment you eat it? Are you satisfied in Christ? We sing the song sometimes, Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need, all, all I need. Well, if that is true, then why isn't he all we want? Because we're rejecting him as king in our lives. 
His goodness and mercy is not good enough for us. He gave them their request, but sent leanness to their souls. It's time to get honest. Get honest with ourselves and get right with God. We've left him behind. That's why he says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door, the church door, the heart's door, your door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. Would you invite him in today? Oh, I'm not talking about salvation. Unless you've not received Christ as Savior, you need him today. Ask him to save you. Trust him to save you. Place your faith in him today. But dear friend, if you're a Christian and one or more of these truths are true in your life, that you've rejected or beginning to reject Christ as king in your life, then let him in. He's on the outside wanting in like he was at the church of the Laodiceans. Let that not be you. Let that not be our church. God is king of the earth. Sing ye praise with understanding. That's a verse from Psalm 47, verse 7. God is king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. He says in Psalm 104, verse 33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. I'll close with this passage. Listen closely. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Listen, listen. But ye were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. We have a king. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we confess and forsake, He is merciful to forgive. If we confess our sins, He is just, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let Him be King Supreme today. This is the Lord's Day today. We honor Him today, His Resurrection Day, the first day of the week. We give honor and glory to Him, but He wants honor and glory in you. In your heart, in your life, it comes this way by confessing and forsaking sin, sin of disobedience to him. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word this morning. Take it deep into our hearts. Oh God, would you minister by your Holy Spirit? Would you convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come? We will stand before your judgment seat. Oh, God of heaven, I pray for Madison Baptist Church today that we not forsake you as our king, but, Lord, we lift you high and we give you praise and honor and glory for all that you're doing, all that you've done. Would you forgive us for murmuring, for complaining, for not trusting you, for wondering where you are and what you're doing? You are the king supreme. I pray, Lord, we might confess and forsake the the sins lord in our heart our attitudes of rebellion in our hearts help us lord help us turn our hearts your desire was to turn israel heart back to you where your church lord would you turn our hearts to you for we pray in jesus name